little ones. The Sleep Manual Podcast. Welcome back to our podcast, The Sleep Manual. I'm Amanda and I'm here with Nikki, my little ones co-founder. Hello. We are a company dedicated to your baby and toddler's sleep. So if you need a hand with your little one's sleep, we'd love you to visit us at littleones.co. We can solve any sleep challenges you might be facing. In this episode, we are going to have a chat about our own experiences as first-time mothers. What we did, what we knew or didn't know, and mm-hmm. things we wish we had done differently. Yeah, it's time to open up about our own experiences, as this ultimately did lead to us creating little ones. So new parents, if you're a new parent out there, or if you're an almost parent, you don't have to go through what we went through necessarily. Maybe you can learn from our mistakes. We certainly learned from our own mistakes the more kids we had. We're going to talk today about what we knew before we had our first babies, or perhaps in our cases what we didn't really know, what we thought we knew, how things were right after the baby was born, so how we went in those first few weeks and months, how did we learn or figure out what we were going to do and what we did, so what resources did we turn to, and then what we wish we'd done differently. And what advice we would now give our younger selves, which of course is advice that we also can give and do give frequently to all you out there. So let's start at the start, Amanda. So actually for reference and context, my own children are, my eldest is 12 and a half. So that's actually freaking terrifying because she's on the verge of teenager. She's on the verge of this whole new person and it's very different it's different at this age especially for girls and I feel like I'm almost back in first-time parent territory with her at this age because I fully know how to parent a child I'm not sure I really know yet how to parent a tween or a teenager so she's 12 and a half was my first obviously then my son is almost 11 and my baby turns eight tomorrow (laughs) And my youngest, which is the similar age to Nikki's baby, so my youngest is also eight years old. The two of them were sort of the reason why we started <laughs> Little Ones. Um, They're the Little my, Ones babies. Was, they are the originals, the OGs. Um, mm-hmm. And then my oldest is nine. She's nine and a half. So another mm. reason partly why we started Little Ones was because of... The age gap between my children is only 18 months. So having an age gap like that means that you have to have your first baby sleeping really well because you're either pregnant or have a newborn when you're... Yeah, you've got to get it sorted. You've got to get it sorted. You can't have your baby or your first in bed with you and, you know, disrupting your sleep or whatever. So we had to get things sorted. So she was my test pilot. And (laughs) so we went from there. But let's talk about what we did know about sleep before having a baby. Well, I'll start. I knew nothing. (laughs) I knew literally nothing. And I was in my late 20s when I had Michaela, and I was a fully-fledged adult. I had a career. I had university qualifications. All of that. And yet, when it came to this, I don't know why I didn't know more. Like, I think I just thought you would know at the time what to do. And 
and there's mm. like 10 million antenatal books and courses and you go to the in-person courses and I remember we went to one at the hospital for a couple of sessions a couple of months before she was born but all they talk about and they largely focus on is breastfeeding having the baby and, and having the baby to, yeah and like what physically drugs the baby. are available to you in the hospital and what does this stage of labor mean and and to be honest when the time comes none of that is even in your mind you're just listening to the midwives or the obstetricians who are with you at the time because there's almost nothing you can do to prepare for the actual birth but then once the baby's born you just kind of go ah what now but so yeah. so if we're talking about what did we know beforehand it was nothing and i think advice that we received at that time from different people was oh the baby will just sleep the whole time and they'll just sleep in those first few weeks because they'll be so tired from the birth and it actually sounded really easy and i was like oh cool well when the baby's tired she's just gonna fall asleep i didn't even I think I didn't even think sleep was an issue. And of course, people yeah. say, oh, you'll never sleep again when you have kids. And you hear that. But because there's no context or frame of reference, you have no prior experience of what that's like, aside from on the weekends when you go out partying, but it's just not the same. You just can't, there's no way you can understand what that's like. So I think... You don't really give it the credit that you should because there's no context for it. You're like, oh, I'll be mm. tired. Whoop d, you know. Yeah, I think I'm type A personality. I needed to prepare, <laughs> so I had done a bit of research, quote unquote, on Google and as we do. And I had read books. I'd got out a couple of different books about after the baby was born. But yeah, the books generally say that, or well, is either sort of the eat, play, sleep thing. Yeah. Uh, which, what, two week old baby plays? But anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. Play. And then there was the other one that I had read where it was just the whole keep the baby up for an hour and then put them back to sleep. So mm. it was kind of misleading in the fact that it just expected you almost that had the I wrong information from the start yeah that's right that's right i would hope that these days you know this is 10 12 13 years ago for us now i think these days with the explosion of social media particularly that's happened in the last decade and of course our industry we did definitely when we started Little Ones, we opened the door for a lot of this kind of online sleep stuff. Yeah. And yeah. you would There was nothing like this available. No. At all. And you which is part of the reason we started Little Ones. But you would yeah. hope with all of that's available now, people are maybe having a bit more of an idea mm. in the lead up to having the baby and arming themselves with that knowledge. And I'll tell oh, you this, so. if anyone is listening and you're pregnant or know someone who's pregnant, or if you just have a very brand new baby, it's never too early or in fact too late to educate yourselves on what particularly what the sleep situation should look like but then inside our app actually we've got um an entire antenatal program inside the app and lessons and they will talk you through everything you need to know in advance 
And then to get through those first couple of weeks as well. So that is something we definitely wish we had had. Yeah. And in saying that, though, I I guess there's nothing that anyone can say that will really prepare you for it. So so everybody just thinks their baby is going to sleep. Everybody thinks that Mm -hmm. you'll just know what to do. But also that their baby's different to everyone else's baby. That's right. And that you'll just know what to do. And so no matter how much you read, no matter how much you try and prepare, I guess there isn't really the pain point there is no pain no. point because you're there's no pain yet <laughs> there's no pain it will come though unfortunately but I know. Also, yeah but and then that is when you need to arm yourself with the knowledge and unfortunately it's probably when you're so tired and you just can't even it. cope and over it you know but. i often think and i've written about this before especially in this stage when you're preparing and you're pregnant and in the lead up especially as a first-time mother i think about the olden days, not when we were first-time mothers, not that olden days, oldener days than that, where the child was raised by the village and all that, and we were all the women together, and there was the sisters and the aunties and the cousins and the grandparents, and you were heavily involved in the lives of pregnant women and babies right from when you were a child yourself, Mm, and you were around women and babies and your aunties were giving birth and you were helping look after your little cousins or your own siblings and you were constantly surrounded by that knowledge and that's something we're missing these days we've tried to recreate based along that whole idea of the sharing of that womanly knowledge i suppose but there's that's missing and the other problem is we're so used to these days as women we're having babies a bit later in life so we've usually already got a career established we're used to being independent and successful and being able to do it all ourselves and that's awesome in one part of our lives but when it comes to something like this we just think you know what we can do it we're women we're amazing we can do anything and we try to and that's sometimes yeah. a problem we think yeah. it's weak to ask for help and why wouldn't I be able to know how to do this I'm a woman I'm having a baby it's natural I should be able to do it I think our biggest advice to any woman is ask for help. Yeah. Find someone you trust. Find someone whose advice you understand and you trust and go with that, I think, is my biggest tip here. Mm. So let's talk about how things were right after the baby was born. What help we received and how they slept and all things right literally right after the baby was born so i'll talk about this one because mm-hmm. my first actually just slept all she did actually was a sleepy baby so i thought things were going really well <laughs> really well until about oh when was it it was like things started getting bad at about four weeks and then and by six weeks all she did was scream Mm. All she did was scream all day, every day. And at that point, we ended up having to go to a pediatrician. But that's another whole story. And so the help that we received, I think the biggest thing was actually the midwife that I had at the birthing clinic. She was pretty amazing. And to some extent, we had a midwife who was quite gave quite good advice that came to our house for a couple of weeks after the baby was born. She was just so practical and I Mm. think I really enjoyed that because everybody's all about the feeding and you've got to breastfeed and it's almost like rammed Mm. down your throat that you have to Mm. breastfeed and this midwife said to me 
who cares just give her a bottle if she's hungry you know like it doesn't matter she just has to be fed and she was really practical and she even said to me my second well I think it was her third or something second or third baby she had been in labor for like 48 hours or something and she was just so exhausted and she said at the hospital I'm too tired to feed this baby can you please get me a bottle and right from day dot this baby she'd been fed a bottle but also breast milk so you know Mm. at the end of the day you just have to do what you do because Mm. so don't let it scare you if you have to bottle feed because honestly at any other time in your child's life are you going to say no to food i think that was yeah Yeah. and for reference for those of you outside of new zealand when we have babies here you have a midwife who you usually have throughout the entire pregnancy and you go and have appointments with them and they check you and they check the baby and then they are there and they all going well they deliver the baby there's usually two midwives and they deliver the baby for you whereas i know a lot of other countries i think you have an obstetrician yeah um, so that's actually actually my experience was quite different to most in new zealand who would have a midwife i actually did Mm. have the obstetricians the whole way and i way through and then I had a postnatal midwife who would come to our house she was a new person that I'd never met and but she comes Uh, for once a week for six weeks and they sort of help you they weigh the baby make sure things mm -hmm. are all going well you can ask some questions and yeah so normally your midwife that's been with you through the whole time then also comes and does those checks afterwards Mm. Well, for us, we had, as you well know, Amanda, we had a very different situation with our eldest because she was yes. not a sleepy newborn. I yes. was like, it was such a culture shock. I mean, the first day or two, sure, she was. And I remember we were having to try and keep her awake for long enough to feed. But I had a very long labor and I think she was just exhausted, which is pretty standard. But then after that, and I remember it coincided with my husband would come home from hospital. My husband was going back to work. My mum, who'd come up at that time, she wasn't living in the same town as us. She'd come to stay with us. She went back home, and it was like cataclysmic because I had this little baby. So she was maybe five days, a weekish old, and she just did not sleep at all during mm. the day at all. Like I remember one day, and this is so horrific because she would have only been about a week old. She was awake for five hours non-stop yeah. and I hadn't had a shower and it, and when it's your first baby I was like can I just put her down somewhere <laughs> it's just, it sounds so stupid but I didn't know what to do with her I was like can I leave her somewhere while I go and have a shower but then I'm like but I've got to be watching her the whole time and in hindsight by the time you have your third kid you're just like <laughs> chuck them so you know they can't roll away or crawl away but um <laughs> <laughs> I really struggled and I had zero idea about awake windows, like none. I had no mm. idea about overtiredness. I had no idea. I had some swaddles because someone had given me them, but I didn't know how critical they were to helping them sleep. I just had no freaking idea. And then obviously, cause she was so overtired during the day, she slept crap at night and it was hot cause she was born at the end of summer here. And it was just, horrific it was so horrific and I was googling and then I was like something's happening and I'm googling everything and it's telling me she's got reflux if she's not sleeping yeah. and it's telling me she's got this and that and the yeah. witching hour and, and all these and things. I'm going yeah that's right and I'm going oh my gosh she's got all these things wrong with her 
And I'm not actually sure anymore. I can't remember exactly how I found overtiredness. It might have even just been on Google. But suddenly when I started reading, I was like, oh, hang on, hang on. But the point is, it took me a really long time. And, and also because of I like to know why things are happening. So I was actively looking for an answer. But it's sad now that I think of it that that I had to sort of sift through all of that and go through all of these, oh my goodness, my baby's got this, my baby's got that, and what's wrong with her, and it's not normal, and all of this kind of stuff as to what was actually going on. But once we sort of started taking some steps in the right direction and not letting her stay up, and I didn't even know you had to actively settle your baby to sleep. I thought they'd mm. just fall asleep. I'm like, she'll just fall asleep when she's tired. Why wouldn't you? I do. And then... No, no, just nosy little thing. And she's looking at the musical mobile that I had because, you know, baby stores tell you to get a musical mobile, so you get one. And she's staring at that and not sleeping. And of course she is. What an idiot. But it was unbelievable. I remember sleeping Millie in our lounge in the bright yeah, lights in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. Because everyone was like, oh, you know, you sleep them in the bright so that they'll get used to napping in the bright lights. I'm like, hello. Yes, she, she actually would sleep. Yeah, but as she a newborn, would. they will anyway, and, yeah, don't they? Up until like eight weeks, and then all of a sudden, she just started only sleeping for half mm -hmm. an hour at a time. And lo and behold, put her in a dark room, two hours. It's, yeah. So those are some of the things that we did wrong. For sure, yeah. First, our poor first children. But it children. was just—it was. Yeah, they were the <laughs> somehow they survived. <laughs> they mm. were the guinea pigs for sure. And I'll tell you what else I did wrong. But then I just think about the, her whole journey. This poor child. She, when she was going through that four-month sleep regression, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know why suddenly we'd started to get on top of things and it just got all haywire. And she was waking all night long. And I got some terrible advice from actually, like a healthcare provider. Mm. a nurse in fact who told me at the time to do this form of sleep training with her where I where you basically just leave them to cry and you check on them verbally or whatever it is every 15 minutes and you extend that time out and you know, she was like a three or four month old baby and I tried it for one night because I was like all right if this healthcare providers told me this it must be decent information and it was so horrific <laughs> and I like we would never give that advice no, I guess, and certainly not at that it, age. Not and, at that and age. Out of context, and out of, out context. of context. She yeah. didn't once say how long are her naps during the day, or is she still how is she sleeping? Or is she getting cold, or how is she falling asleep? Like there was none of that. It was like you need a sleep trainer, and you have to do it this way, or and it's the only way that works, kind of thing. And it, it's just the wrong way around. Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah. This is how I had started figuring out quite a bit about Millie's sleep. At once, between about five and six weeks, I had started figuring out that she needed to sleep less, actually, at this point, because so many things were going on with her. She did actually have bad reflux and things. However, knowing what I knew from my degree, I had to start ruling things out. But the only things that you can rule out are things that you can control you can't control mm. reflux you can't no. control the unknown if you because you don't know what it is but the things you can control are their feeding and their sleeping so i started figuring this out i was monitoring her naps i was writing down what time she was going to sleep writing down how long she was awake for all of these things and i had worked out that she was sleeping the right amount um, but she was still so unsettled. And so once you can start ruling out that 
you do have them all the environment right they are settling to sleep well and all of these things once you can roll all of those out first then look at the other things and this might be where you have to sleep train but you have to start with the things that you can control first mm-hmm. because you should mm-hmm. definitely not start sleep training if you don't know if they're sleeping well in the first mm. place or if they're sleeping the right amount or all of those things so or what's actually causing we... the wakes yeah yeah <laughs> for sure if your baby can't settle themselves to sleep and they're eight months old then yes this will be what is causing the wakes but mm. Look at all of the other things first. Mm. This is sort of leading to us talking about how did we learn or figure out what to do with our mm. eldest. You know, like you've said, you started taking note of it all yourself and trying and going down that route of figuring it out on your own. We, yeah, I mean, and at this point, I was also helping about eight other friends in my coffee group because they had all started to come to me for advice mm. as to how I was getting Millie to sleep with all of these other things that were going on with her. Um, so at this point, I honestly, I'm such a geek. I had at this point started monitoring all of their baby's sleeps as well. <laughs> so, and what was going on? I had like multiple test subjects at this point. And needless to say, there were some people in our coffee group who were doing one way and then there were the other mm group of my friends or not group of my friends but the other ladies who were sort of following what I was suggesting to do lo and behold the ones who were not doing what I was suggesting they've either had only one baby or they've had Mm -hmm. another baby but like four or five years later all of the other ones yeah years later all of the other ones who had their baby sleeping well from a young age have all got like 18 months, 19 months, maximum two years in between their babies and have had Hmm. two or three children. So yeah, I was helping out. I was writing down what was going on with all of their babies, figuring everything out. I had quite a little group of people that were asking for help, which was And then, I mean, but I suppose also at that time, and definitely for me, Google was basically the only source of information that I had. And even then, you know, you've got to sift through a lot of stuff until you fall. And how do you know? How do you know what's right mm. and what's not? I remember even trying to go through nap transitions. You don't know anything about that. And I'm googling when does the baby go down to one nap? And it was just a lot of experimenting and figuring yeah. out. And I constantly felt with my eldest that it was like two steps forward, fifty-seven steps back just about the whole time you were always on the back foot there was always something that you didn't know or once you knew it you were like right I've got it Something's and then changed. in a month's time yeah something changes or they start solids or they're dropping a nap or they start crawling or walking or there's something that just throws everything out of kilter and you're back to square one and that's how I felt just about the entire time that I was parenting her and I've talked before about this example how she was an early waker so she would wake at 5 a.m so i'm thinking this probably started i want to say around six months old and i can look at it now and and know exactly Mm. why it would have happened and at the time nothing that i was reading was saying look at her naps look at her awake windows look at how long that first nap is you know which is look at how much she's sleeping during the day yeah exactly what would have been causing that early wake and an early wake quickly turns into a habit it's a very easy 
have oh, it it's the worst one and we honestly had that early wake with her for years i'm not even kidding i want to say even bef- when she was sort of starting school she was still waking before 6am oh every morning it was so locked in because also for the first couple of years i didn't know how to break the habit or i didn't know what was causing it so i was unintentionally exacerbating it and encouraging and reinforcing it and it's just things like that that I didn't know what was coming next you know I barely knew what to do at the time let alone what was coming next and I think that's something we've been really careful of and then proud of in our sleep programs is that we've got it covered you can have a look at our sleep programs and they go from birth to three years or actually in actual fact the program goes till three but we have another book that then goes till six years of age so you can read ahead. You can know exactly what your baby's sleep's going to look like next week, next month, next year, by the time they drop their naps, once they're potty trained, all of it. And it's that that I think is so valuable to know where you are now, but also where you're headed. So I don't think, when did you feel like you had nailed it, Amanda, in terms of you felt really on top of Millie's sleep? Oh. With Millie, so things were just horrific between about four or five weeks old and then eight weeks. And weeks. So trying to figure out that the what was side of it too. Yeah, so by eight weeks, once we had her health under control, um, I, the, I was all over it. I was like, this is, mm. we're not going back. I was all over it. Figure, I was, yeah. She actually slept, yeah, she slept from 10 at night or from a dream feed till seven in the morning from like pretty young. So 10 weeks old, I want to say eight. And she was a good sleeper in the first place. So it did help, but yeah, Yeah. most of her problems could be explained from her health things. Yeah. Um, But in saying that, yeah, like things still changed. I knew that I had to settle her to sleep in her bed and I knew that I had to work away from that. So I think it was, I learned in the antenatal group or something, eyebrow patting. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, eyebrow Closing stroking. their eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she actually used to, it was quite good because I didn't have to jiggle her or anything, but she used to go to sleep with eyebrow How patting. Funny. We used to How call funny. it. Yeah. And Luke cute. would have so, been able to do it too. And Luke good. could do it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But then, so <laughs> I do remember <laughs> well, when it was about six weeks old when things were going awful. He came into the room and said, I've been eyebrow patting for like two hours. <laughs> Poor Luke. Poor Luke. But anyway, anyway. Oh, so but yeah, quite early on. So we were quite early on, so we early on and then, yeah. yeah, definitely had to get on top of her sleep. Because I can't deal with not much sleep. Nah, I, I, can't, I have sleep. to. I'm a I'm, monster. I'm a good sleeper and I have to have my sleep. So mm. I needed her to be sleeping well obviously I would still wake up and still respond to her if she woke up but I'm not a happy person if I don't have much sleep which is partly you know partly why we started little ones as well Mm. because there are other people out there like us (laughs) yeah 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 for sure how about when did you feel yeah I don't know but third child when she was about nine (laughs) yeah yeah, definitely by the third. Well, by Max, I was starting to feel a bit like I'd nailed it. But with Michaela, I think she was starting to sleep through the night from about six months old. I do know that, and I remember that, and I have no freaking idea why. <laughs> I think or how. 
Yeah, I th- but I was sleeping through. I mean, it would have been maybe 7 p.m. till 5 a.m. because that was the early yeah. wake. Then I sort of, I think I started to feel like I understood that she needed to have naps. And yeah. that, it's so, so crazy thinking about I, it now. And so I certainly crazy. was eyes open to overtiredness at that point. So that was kind of what I just tried to work on is not letting her get overtired. I think that was my guiding principle of parenting her in regards to sleep. But like I said, I think that's when I first, when I sort of started to feel like, okay, it's not as bad as it seems. But then, like I said, I still did feel a bit like I never really got on top of, I think I felt like I did the best we could with what we had. You know, like yeah, all just... the knowledge that you had. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, in saying that, a lot of my friends' babies slept worse, and I think just because oh, yeah. of but what that's I'm normal, like, right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Like I'm that... the kind of person who needed to know why it was happening, and I was googling everything and trying everything. Whereas I know some of my friends fell into that. It's normal that your baby doesn't it's sleep. Trap. So they everybody else's babies... babies the same. Yeah, so they had one-year-olds who were still waking every two hours overnight. And, I mean, in that sense, I was really happy that my child was mm. at least sleeping. It's an interesting one, eh, when you sort of feel like it's clicked. I, yeah, like I said, I don't know if I felt fully clicked with her sleep for a really, really long time. So then, Amanda, what what do you <laughs> wish that you'd done, done differently? differently? Or, well, you know, like what sort of advice would you give to your younger self? If you could go back in time now and be like, oi, young Amanda. Yeah. Well, I guess I did this with my second. Is it? I just, well, yeah, we, I suppose we did. I was just much more aware of awake times, awake windows, because my first didn't have re- reliable tired signs. Probably because I was trying to put her down to sleep because I was the opposite to Nikki here. I was so paranoid about overtiredness that my children were always undertired. <laughs> yeah, that was like and Max. Guy did the same yeah. when I had my second for that reason. Yeah. That was his problem. But with Mackenzie, I had her, and I know we only start our sleep programs at two weeks old, but day three, I could mm. not handle winging it anymore so I already had started her on our sleep program pretty early on because I was like I just cannot yeah but to be fair we have to have a caveat here that says our sleep program at that age is not a regimented no routine all it is is working on age appropriate awake times and an approximation of how long they should be napping for so that they get in a lot of feed opportunities is basically exactly And that's probably something I didn't understand with my first is, whereas with my second, I understood it a lot better, was nailing feeding. I just needed to know what was going on a bit more with her because also I had an 18-month-old, which Hmm? I thought at the time was like, she was so old, but looking back at pictures of her now, she was a baby too. Mm. She was a tiny weenie baby. So I had an 18-month-old and a newborn and I had to have them sleeping well, which Mm. thankfully they both had their naps in the middle of the day. They were both asleep for two hours in the middle of the day at Mm. the same time, which is how I managed to survive. Um, So what would I do differently? For my first, I would have looked more at awake times, not try to put them down after an hour because at eight to nine weeks old or Mm. even six weeks, an hour is so not the right amount of time. They needed to be awake. It's way too short. Mm. And and the reason why she was awake for two hours of eyebrow patting. 
<laughs> so um in the middle of the night yeah look at awake times just understand more about naps sleeps and feeds mm. i think and at the end of the day like we already touched on this the baby is coming at no matter how they're coming out they're coming out we need to know about giving birth but i feel like we need to know more about how to actually look after the baby yeah i think my biggest thing i would change would be just to understand that i should have prioritized sleep which i just didn't consider was something i needed to actively work on and i Mm. think none of my three babies were sleepy newborns they were all just like the eyes glued open so they all needed active work like i needed to be really onto it to make sure their awake times were perfect well the other the the last two (laughs) and Mm. swaddle and dark room and white noise and i had to pull out all the tricks and get them at that awake time spot on and get them settled to sleep because they they weren't sleepy babies and that's definitely what I did the second and third time round was prioritize their sleep almost above anything else. And that's something that you're just never told to do. You're told yeah. to prioritize feeding and rightly so, but sleep is just as important. And sleep affects feeding. If they're not sleeping yeah. well, they're probably not feeding well because they're tired, they're fractious, they're, they don't have the energy. And if I could go back in time, I would just shove our app in front of my face and be like, Read this. Use this app. You know, this will tell you everything you need to know and do this and don't, you don't need to think about it because I've already thought about it for you and I've done all of the thinking. And um, so I guess ultimately our experiences, particularly that first time around, led us to not only having a pretty huge passion for sleep and how important sleep was to our babies because we had definitely, and I certainly had (laughs) experienced the flip side of that. But also, you know, we realized that the information that we were seeking and that we needed wasn't readily available. And so this fueled our desire to want to collect that information and those methods and find out more from experts and specialists and tie it all together and make it accessible to anybody who needs that same help that we needed. And I I don't understand why that's not everybody because it it basically is. We don't end that village anymore. For a reasonable, a reasonable cost as well. Like at the yeah. time when we had our first, or for Nikki her second, sleep consultants were becoming a thing, and they were a bit, a bit more just mainstream. talked about it. Mainstream, mm. yeah. But they're one hundred and fifty dollars or four hundred dollars for a night or whatever. You know, like it, it is a cost. When we started little ones, this is what. We wanted to make this information readily available at a cost that was... An affordable price. An affordable cost. And also not just fixing one problem Mm. at that particular point in time. So a sleep consultant, which is what a sleep consultant did, is fix that problem right then and there. But things change two, three, five Mm. weeks later, you know. So with our app, that is what we wanted to convey across conveyors to actually give the information for the whole time that your baby is napping and Mm. sleeping and and feeding that's sort of what led us to little ones and i think we we did pretty good it's been going for nine years uh eight years eight years uh, for little ones seven seven eight years something like that crikey well yes since our babies were babies since our baby or our two babies were the babies they are the little ones yeah 
Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps us up, Amanda. It's quite nice and eye-opening, actually, to dive back into all of it and look at where we started as mothers, but mm. then also where we started little ones, too. And we just want to thank you guys so much for listening today. As always, we really appreciate it. Please don't forget to check out our other podcasts because we have so much more sleep yeah. advice and information and if you do need further help from there come to our website littleones.co or download our app Little Ones Sleep and we can guide you through any literally any sleep challenge that you're facing from there and we would love to so we will hopefully <laughs> see you on our social channels back here on our podcast next week and we will talk to you then talk to you later this is Little Ones the Sleep Manual Podcast. <laughs>